I want to start with a word of prayer, and uh, then we'll begin the lesson tonight. Lord, we thank you for this evening. Lord, I thank you for these that have come, Lord. Um, and Lord, they've come here tonight because they want to learn and they want to grow, become stronger Christians and better servants of you. And I pray, Lord, you bless them for coming tonight. I pray it help me, Lord, as I teach. Lord, you bring back to my mind the thoughts that you've given me, and I pray that I'd be able not only to have those thoughts, but to communicate them in a way that uh, makes sense to those that are here. Lord, I pray you help us all to be better equipped to do the work you have for us. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I'm going to teach, uh, and, and before we start, I talked to Brother Derek Collins today, and um, November the 19th, uh, he's going to come on Thursday night, and we're going to start doing the once a month, uh, the King James Bible uh, class, and it, that'll be a two-hour, he's going to do it for two hours, um, it won't be two solid hours, it'll probably be like 45 minutes and like a 10 minute break, 45 minutes, and um, he's going to start doing that in November, so that's, uh, um, you know, that's good, and if you can come, and I'm going to try to encourage other churches, there's a lot of churches, or there's, I would say a lot, but there's quite a few that, around here that use the King James, but I don't know if they really understand why, it's more of a tradition thing, it's more of a what we've always done thing, but, but that'd be good for everyone that can come to that. Uh, this class, uh, or this lesson, and, and I don't know how many, there's quite a few, uh, that there's a lot we could say. Um, when it comes to studying the Bible, uh, it's a very vast uh, uh, subject. In fact, I've had a real hard time trying to uh, cut it down to something just for one lesson. There's so much that could be said. Um, and, uh, and so that's what we're going to be teaching on is methods of Bible study. Um, you know, the main thing about studying your Bible is you need to just study your Bible. Uh, a lot of people, they, 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 they you know, uh, sit back. I remember when I first surrendered to preach, and I had a bunch of questions. I was asking Brother Willard and how to do this and how to do that. And, and, uh, and he'd always just say, just do it. He said, that's the best way to learn it out, just do it. And, uh, and he used to say this, the best way to learn how to hoe potatoes is at the end of a hoe handle. And uh, most people want to sit on the porch and... Uh, and, and, and when it comes to the Bible, they want to sit back and say, boy, I'd like to understand the Bible. I'd like to know the Bible. Um, but when it gets down to it, the best way to learn is to, by studying it. And if you're saved, um, the Bible tells us that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, and He is the Spirit of truth. And He said, Jesus said He'd lead us into all truth. Uh, so when you study your Bible, you've got the teacher with you, the one that wrote the Bible, and, and He can help you. But there is more to it, so I don't want to just... Uh, put it that way. There's ways we can learn to be more effective, I guess you could say, more efficient. Uh, you know, I've wasted a lot of time in my life studying the wrong way uh, and using bad methods. Uh, there are some bad methods of study. Uh, you know, the old just flip through the Bible and, and all right, you know, that's what, I, I know preachers, that's how they pick their sermons. They just flip and, 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 and uh, you know, it's almost like they roll a dice, and, but there's a lot of bad ways you can study the Bible. Uh, you can approach it with the wrong mind and the wrong attitude, and you can get no good from it. In fact, if you approach the Bible with the wrong motive and with the wrong mindset, you can actually do more harm than good uh, if, you, if you approach it with the wrong, the wrong mindset. But I want you to look, uh, we're going to read a verse in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. One of the, I guess you could say, cardinal uh, doctrines of being a Baptist uh, is we believe in the inerrancy of the Bible, and we believe that means the Bible is without error. Um, one of the 
uh, uh, well, I don't know how you say it, fundamental teachings of Baptist, Baptistic doctrine is, is the, the Bible is the sole authority of faith and practice. Uh, it's not some hierarchy. It's not some group of uh, uh, popes or cardinals or bishops. Or It's the Word of God. Uh, the Word of God is to have rule over our life, um, what we believe, that, that faith, that's what we believe, but it's also to have authority over what we do. That's practice, how we live. Um, that being said, um, we're very hypocritical when we claim to believe that, but we don't study the Bible. If we say we believe this is God's Word, and we say that this book is where we get what we believe and how, we to li- how we're to live, but we never look into it, then, then what we're doing is contradicting what we're saying. Um, so 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. And I understand there's a mix uh, as far as uh, people here tonight. So uh, this was written to a preacher, a young preacher named Timothy. And, um, but I will, I'll try to make application. I believe it applies to all. Everyone needs to be able to study the Bible. Men, women, boys and girls. It's essential. And so 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now this uh, is not Paul giving Timothy uh, a suggestion. He's giving him a command. And, and, when, and, 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 and honestly, this is not Paul speaking. This is God speaking. Uh, so we have a command to study the Bible. Uh, it, it's not something we can choose to do or not choose to do. By not studying my Bible, I'm disobeying God. And you see, too many times we get up and, and we, we go about our, 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 our day and we look at, if I get to it, I'll do it. If I get to it, I'll do it. And you know, <sighs> Brother Samuel, he's dead now. He used to say this. He'd say, you don't make time, you have to take time. And, and, and the problem is that the devil will make sure uh, that he take. Why, why do you think Paul said we're to redeem the time, to, to take it back? Because the devil will make sure that there's all, everything and anything happens to keep you from taking the time to study your Bible. Um, I, I read this quote from Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He said, many books in my library are now behind and beneath me. They were good in their way once, and so were the clothes I wore when I was a 10-year-old boy. But I have outgrown them as I have those clothes. But no one has ever outgrown the Scriptures. The book always widens and deepens the longer you study and read it. And that's very true. Uh, now, there's many symbols. You say, why should we study the Bible? Well, the Bible says a lot about itself and why we should. What's the importance of the Bible? Well, James 1 in verse 23 through 25, this is what it says. For if any man be, be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgiveth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So in James 1, in verse 23, it compares the Bible to a mirror. Now, a mirror is of no value if you don't look into it. Uh, and, and, and it's also of no value if you ignore what you see when you look into it. So the Bible's a mirror. Uh, perhaps, I'd say, there's a good chance that everybody today, at some point in time, has looked into the mirror. Whether you was washing your hands, getting ready for work, school, uh, or whatever it was, you glanced in the mirror. And just like that, the Bible is a mirror. When we look in the Bible, it doesn't give us what we want to see. You know, it gives us what we actually are. 
And so it's very important. Can you imagine if we went a week or a month without looking in the mirror? Uh, if the ladies never looked at their hair, they never, I mean, we'd be a man. Now me, I don't really need a mirror. I, you know, I just, yeah, my hair is just, I, it's just, a, you know, just cut everything. But, but, um, but you understand the Bible's a mirror. Uh, the Bible's a lamp in Psalms 119, 103. How sweet are thy words and my taste. Yay, sweet. Oh, I got the wrong, the wrong scripture. Thy word is a lamp unto my, Psalms 119, I believe it's 115. Y'all may check me on that. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You see, the Bible is a lamp. In Bible times, they didn't have street lights. They didn't have headlights. They didn't have um, all this, you know, that we have. And, and light was a very precious thing, especially if you were outside at night, uh, you know, trying to go from one place to another. It was, it was essential that you had a lamp. Uh, and, and if you didn't have a lamp, unless you were some, uh, uh, unless you were a, a skilled, some type of skilled, uh, you know, hunter, or you'd get lost and you wouldn't know where to go. Um, and so the Bible's a lamp. I mean, how? just imagine uh, if you were going home tonight and the lights went out on your car, just went gone. How far could you go without wrecking? Not very far. Uh, I mean, how far could you go without, well, if you went home tonight and there was no electricity and it was pitch black dark. I mean, even if you've lived in that house for years and years, it wouldn't take long till you ran into the wall, you stumped your toe, you hit, you done, you, it, what I mean is, and, and just as that's true, the Bible's a lamp. So, so how can we go without the Word of God every day? And by the way, the Bible says it's a lamp under our feet and a light under our path. And the only way the Bible can become a light under my path is by making a lamp under my feet. Uh, and that's by daily studying your Bible. When you read your Bible every day, that's making a lamp under your feet. Too many people want to see where they're going to be and where they want to be, but they ignore where they are. And, and so it's a lamp. Uh, Hebrews 4, and I know some of this is probably... Um, you think, and I know this already, well, just, just throw that attitude aside, and you might learn something. The Bible's a sword. Hebrews 4.12, this, the Bible says it's a sword. Ephesians 6.17, uh, it talks about the Word of God, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I'm trying to talk to you about how important it is to study our Bible. It's a sword. In fact, the only weapon we have to fight back the world, the flesh, and the devil is the Word of God. When you go to basic training, I've not been there, but I've watched enough uh, army movies to know that when you get there, the first thing they do is it's called basic training. And, and those men, they don't take a boy uh, there on Paris Island, 18 years old, or a young lady, and hand them a rifle and put them on a plane and send them to battle. The first thing they have to teach them to do is they have to know that weapon. In fact, they teach them to take it apart and put it together. They'll even blindfold them. And, make them, and they, get, they want them to know that weapon so well that that's not just a, it's not... That, that gun, that weapon, is not something they hold in their hand. It is their hand. It, it becomes an extension of them. And that's what studying your Bible does. When you daily read your Bible, it's, it becomes not something you're holding in your hand. It's something you're hiding in your heart. And it becomes a part of you. So the Bible's a sword. Hebrews 5, 12-14 and Matthew 4, 4 tells us that the Word of God's like food. Jesus said in Matthew 4, in verse 4, a man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Hebrews in 5 and verse 12 says, It's like meat. Not many in here have gone long without bread or meat. If you were to go, uh, maybe you've chosen to uh, have a season of, of fasting. Uh, I don't know if anybody here has ever fasted before, but, but um, man, when you fast, it's like all you can think about is your favorite food, you know? I remember Brother Gavin and I, which I don't say, we, we had to, we, back when we was in Murfreesboro, we had a bus route, we set some goals, we had a big day, and we was really praying, it was praying for, a, I mean, a ridiculous amount of kids, and it was, 
And so we fasted for a week, and I promise you, every day, all I could smell was chicken parmesan. I mean, everywhere I went, it was chicken parmesan. McDonald's smelled like, I love chicken, I smell chicken parmesan. And, uh, uh, and, and almost, I mean, literally, it about drove me in. And everybody says, well, after two or three days, it goes away. No, it just got worse and worse. And, and you know, I thought about that, and I thought about this. How come, you know, how come that we can go so long without taking time to sit down and study our Bible? Um, you see, there is something about maturing as a believer that requires being able to feed yourself. Um, if the only meal you eat is served by somebody else, um, then you're not going to grow as a Christian. Uh, anyway, what is compared to water? In Ephesians 5.26, in verse uh, Ephesians 5.26, that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. The Word. Uh, the water and Word. So, how long can you go without water? We can go a long time without food, but water, uh, you can't live very long. Uh, and so water, it deals with the outward man, the cleansing outwardly, but it also do- deals with inward cleansing. And so the Bible's like water. And, and, and then the Psalms 119, I got, had it written down the wrong verse a minute ago. Psalms 119.13 is compared to honey. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Um, we understand that nowadays we have all these uh, you know, different types of sauces and, and seasonings and all that, but the Bible times it wasn't like that. Uh, it, it, they were very limited as far as, um, you know, they didn't have sweet and low and equal and splendor. And they didn't have honey, mustard, and ranch. And I really feel sorry for them for that, but they didn't. Um, and honey was something they'd use to enhance the taste. They'd put it in their drinks. They'd put it on their food. It was, a, it was, a, it was something that would, it, it would make something taste better. And the Bible says that, that the Word of God is like honey. Jeremiah 20 and verse 9 says, like fire. It says in verse, Jeremiah 20, verse 9, His word was in my heart as a burning fire, shut up in my bones. Again, we got to remember, when you read the Bible, and this is something we'll talk about maybe in the next time, but when you read the Bible, well, actually, we're going to mention it here in just a little while, but um, you got to think about the content. When was it spoken? Jeremiah didn't say that in eight, you know, 2020. That was, this was, you know, about 500 years before Jesus was born. And, not just, and just like we don't think about light being a precious commodity, we don't think about fire uh, being a precious commodity. You know, we just flip a switch and the heat comes on. Uh, but in Bible times, fire was something they had to have it. Uh, they had to have it to survive, you know, to cook their food, to, to warm the house. They'd use it to protect it, light around their house to keep the wolves and things like that away from their homes. And so the Bible is like a fire. It's like a fire. It, it, and, and, and without fire, uh, without fire, you'll freeze to death. You can die. It was, it was important to have fire. And that's like the Bible. It's like fire. Jeremiah 23 and verse 29 says, like a hammer. He says, Is not my word like as a fire, saith Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? But as I said, a fire won't warm you if you're not close to it. Uh, water won't help you if you don't drink it. A mirror won't help you if you don't look in it. Uh, a lamp won't give you light unless you walk in it. Uh, and, and so a hammer is no good if you, unless you hold it. Um, you can sit there and look at a hammer all you want, and it'll never drive one nail. You can talk to it. You can admire it. You can talk about what a pretty hammer it is, what a good hammer it is. I, I've got a, I, when I first got high school, I started helping a man in the church build houses. <laughs> we built one house, and the Lord helped whoever's living in that house right now. But anyway, um, and, he, and, he, and he gave me a hammer, an S-wing hammer. I still got it. 
And, uh, and, and you know, that hammer, it, took, it, it won't, it can't, it's not going to work if, it, if you don't put it in your hand and you don't use it. And, and your Bible can't help you if you don't use it. Uh, and, you know, uh, and, and, the, and see, hammers were used. And he said in verse 29, to break the rock in pieces. How are we supposed to, speaking about judgment, about conviction... And, and the reason we're not convicted about people, I've heard people say it so many times, I'm just not convicted, I'm just not convicted. But I've never had anybody tell me that, Brother David, who I knew was a, was a committed Bible student. Never. It was always the take-it-or-leave-it casual attitude. But somebody that reads their Bible daily, um, the, the Bible, it, it'll, it'll convict like a hammer. And, and, and more times than not, when people say, I'm not convicted, it's because they're not listening to the Word of God. But anyway... Isaiah uh, chapter 55, verse 1, uh, verse 10 through 11, he compared the Bible to, to like the rain and the snow. He said, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. I've always heard this scripture applied to the preacher preaching the message. But I want to ask you, did God send His Word just to preachers? Or did He send it to every believer? And, and, and so He's promised that it won't return void. That's not just for a message, that's for when you read it. Anytime you sit down and take the time to read your Bible, that's not going to come back void. There will be, God will read, there will be benefits to that. He said it's like the rain and the snow. It brings refreshment. Most Christians are like, are like a desert. They're so dry and barren because there's no Bible in their life. There's no daily Bible reading in their life. So basically, that's just some reasons why uh, we should study our Bible. And uh, I want you to look back in 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I, I want to give you four reasons to, or, or four, uh, four musts uh, to be an effective Bible student or to study your Bible. And, and, and so the Bible says in verse 15, verse 15, don't give me a drink of water. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And uh, so I want to give you four things for that one verse to help you tonight. And we'll be done. It's gonna be, I'm going to be quick. Believe it or not. Um, the Bible says study. Study. The first thing I want to talk about is there must be passion. Passion. That word study, it means to exert oneself speedily and earnestly in a specific endeavor. It means to be prompt and to be diligent in what one does. It speak, it's talking about being patched to study. Um, and it's amazing how passionate people are and it comes to their studies of other things. Um, and, and, and we've all got things that we've studied, and we understand, and, and, and what, what is it that, that motivates, because there, there's a passion for it. There, there's a passion for it. Brother Jason loves to cook, and he, he studied it. He studied the temperatures and the, and the seasons, and you know why? Because he, he enjoys it. He, he's got passion for it, and I enjoy eating it. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, there's others. Brother Zeke likes to deer hunt. And, 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 and guess what he's doing right now? He's studying them deer. He's got a camera. He's got my picture on it several times. Every time I walk by, I give him a thumbs up. He's passionate about it. There's other. Brother David rides horses. 
And, and, and in his life, he's done a lot of studying on horses. He's probably sat and watched how they act and talked to the old timers and, 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 and others. You know, I could go on and on. And, and the truth is, we're never going to be effective if we're not passionate about it. When we open our Bible, we need to understand this is not a book for, for people who are not passionate. This is a book, if we're going, the reason most people don't study is because they're not passionate about it. They're not earnest about it. Most people, when they come to read their Bible, they're just simply doing it to say they did it. To ease their conscience so they can go about doing what they want to do. But when the Bible becomes something you're passionate about, you see, everybody says, well, I just can't understand it. But they don't try. You don't try. It's, 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 it's like, you know, I'm not a big puzzle man, and I don't like all that. I mean, I don't complicate a video. You know, Drew's more into that. I just like, you know, push the A button or the B button, you know, fight, punt, something, you know. And, 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 and people come to the Bible, and they just look at it and say, oh, that's too much, and just put it down. But, but what it is is, if you want to be effective, you've got to determine I'm not going to stop until I get something from the Lord. And I'm not going to give up because I didn't understand it the first time. I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not just going to just, just push it to the side. This is something I have to have. If you were starving tonight, would you be, if you were about to die and your children were starving, I'd say you'd be very passionate about getting them food. No matter what it took, you, if you had to beg, borrow, or steal, you'd make sure. Uh, and I could go on, we'd go right back down that list of everything we mentioned, what the Bible is. And so when we become passionate, Paul said, Timothy, you've got to be passionate about it. It's got to be more than just a box you check. Um, I, I wrote this down. The casual approach to the Bible will never benefit the reader. And when I say casual, I mean when we come to it, and before we ever read it, we're just like, well, I've I got to read my three chapters. That's, that's one of the things, you know, I, I've done it, and we do it, and there's a lot of people who do it, but it's very dangerous when you get in the, where I'm, I've got to read seven chapters a day, I've got to read seven chapters a day, and you just skim through it, and, and, and I, I believe it was Spurgeon said he'd rather bathe his soul in, in three verses as wash his hands in three, in three chapters. And, 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 and it requires passion, passion. You know, Lee Robertson said this. He said, you'll always reap a harvest where you place an emphasis. And if you place an emphasis on the Word of God in your home, in your home and in your life, guess where you'll, you'll reap a harvest? In the Word of God. And, and so, the, and then I put this. In order to understand the Bible and, in, and, and be able to communicate it effectively to others, we must be passionate about it. Have you ever noticed that people that are, that are passionate about something, they get other people to be passionate about it? And, 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 and too often, we have no uh, enthusiasm, no, no earnestness about it. But Paul said, Timothy, if you're going to, stu- if you're going to be an effective minister, and, and I believe this goes if you're going to be an effective Sunday school teacher or a mother, a father, whatever it is you, you're going to do, you have to be passionate in, in, in the Word of God. Um, I, I wrote this down. Medical doctors will spend seven years of intensive training to become a doctor. And then after that, they spend three to four years to become proficient in a specialized field. And then they'll spend the rest of their life developing those skills to work on the body. But yet we think we can, you know, watch three YouTube videos and open our Bible and, and read a, a devotional and understand it. The, let me say this. The, you think about how complex the body is. The soul is much more complex. And, and if a doctor, it takes them 7, 10, 15 years to even begin, we, we can't think that three weeks of, of, of reading, reading our Bible is going to make us a, a, an authority on the Scriptures. 
You get on, and, and social media has really done a lot of bad, and it's really done a lot of good. It's really exposed who the real idiots are in our world. And, 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 and a lot of them, they, they, they get on there, and they, and they, begin, they begin throwing Scripture out and arguing and, and carrying on, and, 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 and they want to act as if they're an authority on things. And, and the truth of the matter is, they've not, even, they've not even began to understand it. But pa- passion, there must be passion. Uh, one does not become a mechanic, a doctor, or a nuclear physicist by simply reading a manual and taking a couple of courses in junior college. It takes intensive study. In order, in order for one to become a skilled handler of the Word of God, it takes years of passionate study searching out all of its great mysteries. Did you know I believe if you learn one profound truth a year, and your Bible study is worth it. See, what happens is we get discouraged when we read, oh, God, I'm going to read 2 Timothy chapter 1. You read it, and you read it, and you get down to the end, and it says, um, He ministered unto me at Ephesus, and thou knowest very well. And then you look around, and you're waiting for the lightning bolts to start flashing. And you're waiting for the goosebumps to rise, you know, and the angels to sing, and it doesn't happen. You think, well, I didn't get nothing from that. The truth of the matter is, you got more from it than you ever realized. And what we must do is, see, and it goes back to being passionate. You've got to make up your mind, I'm, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to find what God wants for me. And, and in doing so, what happens is when you, when you do it on a consistent basis and you, and you study Bible with earnest and, and excitement, what happens is you'll read 2 Timothy 1 and you'll think you didn't get nothing from it. But then three months from now, five months from now, the Lord will bring something to your attention or maybe you'll hear a message from and then you'll think, that's why I needed to read that. But anyhow, there must be passion. He said study, study. And, and listen, I am all for passion. I mean, and, and whatever you do, the Bible says whether you eat or you drink, do all to the glory of God. And I believe whatever your hand finds to do, you ought to do it with all your might, whether it's at school, work, whatever it is, you ought to give 100% to it. But I do not want to be a hypocrite and, and halfway study my Bible. And, and, and we can't approach about, this Bible is so complex and so, um, I mean, listen, it is so, so uh, amazing and, and, and rich. Every single letter has got a purpose and a meaning. And we can't just come to it one day and expect to know what it all means and how to figure it all out. And anyhow, so we must be passionate. But then, verse, two, uh, verse, tw- verse 15, the second thing I want to say, say is this. In order to be an effective student of the Bible, we must have passion. But we also must have purpose. He said in verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God. Approved unto God. Now, tonight I'm not really getting into the... The next time we're going to talk more about some of the details, about character studies and word studies, chapter studies, book studies, um, different types of... There's, uh, there's a multitude of ways you can study your Bible. And, and they're all good. And it's good to do it, study the Bible in different ways at different, so it keeps things fresh and, and, and exciting and challenging. But more, more important than all those different techniques and tools of study is, is, is having the passion and then understanding the purpose of it. The purpose is this, so we might be approved unto God. You see, if I approach the Bible with any other motive than understanding God better, and knowing God better than my motives inferior. 
You see, we can't, now follow me. I've done this many a time. Some, there's a trouble going on, and I'm thinking, Lord, I need something. I, I need something, to, you know, I need something for this. And I, need, and I come to the Bible with another purpose other than just for Him. And, and if we come to the Bible because we're discouraged and say, I need encouragement, then I'm coming for the wrong purpose. If I come to the Bible for, because I want to, you know, in Christian love, bless out my, uh, you know, liberal friend, and we, well, let's go, I'm going to straighten them out. That's the wrong purpose, you understand? And, and, and for preachers, if you come to the Bible for a sermon, you're coming for the wrong purpose. Paul told Timothy that he was to study for one purpose, to be approved unto God. And, and so there's our purpose in study. He is the purpose of our study. We don't, stir, we don't study. We don't study the Bible to get a lesson or a sermon or so-called help. But we study to get God. And if you get God, then guess what? You'll get a good sermon, you'll get a good lesson, and you'll get all the help you need. The purpose. Um, John 5.39, Jesus said, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they... And and they are they which testify of me. Now Jesus was speaking about the Old Testament. And he told them they needed to search the Scriptures. And what do they need to search for? For him. He said, you need to go back and read the Bible again. He said, and you'll find that it's about me. So when we approach our Bible, it must be for one reason and one for God. To be approved by God. It's not so I'll I didn't read my Bible and I'll be, you know, that's not a good purpose. It's not so I can, you know, um, check the box off for this day so I make sure I'm done at the end of the year. That's not why we should do it. We should do it so, because it brings the approval of God. There's a lot of things we do that, to be honest with you, if we really got down and really meditate on it, we really don't know if God approves of it or not. Unfortunately, every day you and I make a hundred decisions, a thousand decisions. It's like this. I believe that's why we got to walk in the Spirit in order to make the right decisions. But what I'm saying is, Brother Zeke, there's probably some things I've done today God didn't approve of. But I don't have to ever wonder if He approves or not approves of me studying the Word of God. Every time you take the time to search the Scriptures, to study the Bible, God says, I approve of that. That's enough purpose. For, that, that should be enough purpose for any of us. I, I, I wrote this, the purpose, and I'm talking real fast. If y'all want these notes... I can give them to you after this is over. The purpose of our study is to have a better knowledge and understanding of God. The only way I can make God known unto someone else is for Him to be made known unto me. Think about that. Over there, Paul was at Athens and he was walking up down the streets of Athens and he saw they had gods on... uh, Somebody said they had more gods than men. They had gods on every corner. And, 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 and he saw this one statue that said, To the unknown God. And he stood on Mars Hill and he says, I see these, you're all too, he said, you're too superstitious. And he said, But today, he said, I saw the God and it's, I saw one of your gods and it says, To the unknown God. And he said, Him declare I unto you. Paul's seen all them gods, but he said, That unknown God, he's the one I know. The God they don't know is the God I do know. And so it's so important that we study our Bible because the only way I'm going to know God is by studying His Word. One man said it like this, when we open the Bible, we open the mind of God. And the only way we can know, you know, it's hard to really get to know somebody until you know how they think. 
And, 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 and the, the more you understand how they think, the better you know and better you understand it, it, your relationship. Me and my wife, she, I mean, we don't even have to hardly speak to about, the, I mean, you know, we don't speak to each other much. But anyway, when we have, sometimes we have to. But, but a lot of times I can tell you what she's going to do before she does it. And she can tell you what I'm going to do before I do it. She don't even have to ask me. And I don't even have to because I know what her answer is because we know each other better. Now, 15 years ago, it was different. But you know what's happened is we know each other better. We've got to know each other better. And, 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 and if you've got lost family, friends, co-workers, if you want to be an effective witness, Brother David's teaching on uh, personal evangelism. And, and, and I didn't just flip a coin to teach. I think that this goes right in hand with what he's teaching about. If you're going to win somebody to the Lord, you've got to know, you've got to know God and know Him in a real way so you can tell, tell somebody. So you can tell somebody uh, about Him and, and convince them that He's somebody that, who's worthy to be known. You see... A lot of times, you ever met somebody, they know everybody? You know, they claim they know, you know, over in East Tennessee, everybody's kin to Dolly Parton. Everybody. And I mean, Logan Parton, y'all remember him? He came, he's like a 15th cousin or something. And, and down in North Georgia, where I'm from, everybody's killed, kin to but, uh, Bill Elliott. Um, and, and everybody knows Bill Elliott. Bill Elliott's the best, I mean, he knows more people than he's, I mean, everybody knows him in some way. Or for, they, they ever changed tires one time for him, or they, they all, everybody knows him. But the tr- truth of the matter is, there's not many of them really know them. You understand? But the fact is, a lot of times that's the way we are trying to tell people about God. We don't really know them. I'm not saying you're not saved, but I'm talking about really know them. If you want me to sit down and talk to you about, I could talk for you hours and hours and hours and hours about Kim Martin. I know her. I mean it. I could. And, and she could about me. Now, I, some, I don't know. I don't know anybody in this room as well as I know her. And so... A lot of times we're worried about the end and, and we don't realize the way we get to the being effective is by knowing the Bible. The purpose is to know God. The most effective sermon a preacher will ever preach and the most effective lesson that a teacher will ever teach are those that come from the overflow of their walk with God. The, the, the most impactful sermons the Lord's ever, ever gave me weren't sermons I was looking for but it come from me just simply walking with Him. And so it's, that's our purpose, to be proved unto God. In verse uh, 15, he says, A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Everybody still awake? Everybody still here? A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Y'all are awful quiet. Um, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. So in four, I said four must for effective slavery. Number one is passion. Passion. And uh, number two is purpose, be approved of God. But number three, it, it requires perspiration. He said, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. Now, f- now, that word workman there, it means a farmhand. And, and that's not, um, being a farmhand, that's not necessarily what you call, you know, that's not easy work. Uh, most, I'm sure Brother Dave worked on a farm, when he, it's, it's hard work, you know, it, it, it's... it's um, it requires a lot, of, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort. Not too many farmers have to worry about going to sleep at night. I mean, most of them, most of them I mean, they, they, they go to sleep. In fact, every farmer I've ever really known, if they sat still for five minutes, they was asleep because they stayed wore out all the time because it required hard work. And it's amazing to me that when, when Paul, you see, we're, we're you know, the, the, the truth is the Bible is an educational book. It's, when the Bible speaks about history, it's accurate. When it speaks about, I mean, science is accurate. That all these things is accurate. It's amazing how much God knew about man before these doctors ever. And, and, and I mean, you know, just a few hundred years ago, they were bleeding people out thinking that's helping them. It was really killing them. 
And the Bible said the whole time that the life of the flesh and the blood, uh, you know, the earth and about the... I mean, there's so much. But this is not just an informational book. And in order for us to find the spiritual meaning and truths that are here, it takes hard work. Hard work. It's not an easy thing. Most of us want to simply just glaze across the Bible and be able to get all the truth that we want and need and go about without ever breaking a sweat. But the, babe, the, but the truth is, Paul said, Timothy, if you're going to study, it's going to require perspiration. If we endeavor to have a good... Under, listen, if we endeavor to have a good understanding of the Scripture... Now, I want you to understand what I mean by that. Having a, in my opinion, having a good understanding of Scripture means that you know what you believe about the Bible. And not only do you know what you believe, but you're able to communicate it to somebody else. And by the way, we're told to be ready to give an answer to every man. And, and, and this, that's not just for men, that's for all, everybody. And, and, and if, we are, if we endeavor, you know, having a good understanding of the Bible isn't simply knowing the first five books about Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's not, having a good understanding means that you can, you understand what you believe and you're able to, dict, you're able to or, or whatever the word is, communicate it to somebody else. But, but listen, if we want to have that, we've got our work cut out for us. For, because there's no easy way to know and understand the Bible. Now, granted, in the modern technology, it's been made a lot easier. You know, um, you can get on your phone, you can have a strong concordance for free on your phone. I have one about that big my daddy gave me. And when I first went to preach, I sit there and look through it, and I try to figure out, and like you get the Greek number on it, and then you have to turn back. And by the time I found back, Brother David, I forget what the Greek number was, so I have to turn it back. And then, and then I accidentally look up the Hebrew number for a, a, a New Testament word, and then I had to go back, and it took it take me 20 minutes to just get one definition. But now I can get on my phone, I type in the word, it's boom, 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 there it is. You can get a, a, a Webster's dictionary right there on your phone for free. You look up, there's no. So what I'm saying is a lot of a technology can help um, take some of the work, but there's still work that has to be done. It's, there's no easy way to know and understand the Bible. I, I knew a man once, and uh, he didn't like, he, he, his excuse was he just didn't like to read. I've, I've, I've always heard people, you know, I just don't like to read. That's why I don't read the Bible. Well, the truth of the matter is, God didn't say those that like to read the Bible need to read the Bible. He, he commanded all of us to study. And, it, and, uh, and some have to work harder at it than others. But it just requires, you understand, it just requires perspiration. That's what I'm talking about, perspiration. Um, but anyway, he, this is what he told me, Brother Dave. He said, I, he, 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 he was very sincere about this. He called me and said, hey, uh, Brother Martin, I figured it out. He said, you know how much I read? And he said, I just don't like reading my Bible. He said, but I bought Alexander Scorby on CDs. And uh, he said, I'm listening to it every night when I go to bed. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. I said, how do you stay awake? He said, oh, I don't. I go to sleep listening to it. And this is, and was, he said, I got through the first five books of the Bible already. He was proud of that. And I didn't want, I mean, you know, what do you say? I mean, you know what I mean? The old saying, you can't fix stupid, you know what I mean? What are you going to do? And, and, uh, and, I, and I wanted to be like, well, well, how much have you got from that? Nothing. And you know what he was wanting? He was wanting an easy way. You know, you know what preachers want? They want an easy way. They want a quick way. They want, hey, I want to bypass the work, you know. Just give me, you know, and kids are that way today. They don't want to have to go to school and start off making $10 an hour and work to 12 and to 14 and to 16 and 18 to 20. They want to go straight from, from high school and making the same as the man been there 25 years. They want the easy way. And, and there is no easy way. Um, 
But anyway, it requires perspiration. Uh, workman, a farmhand. It's hard taxing work. You see, we cannot simply just read a daily devotional, listen to a podcast or a sermon, and expect for that to be enough. You see, all those things can aid your study, but they never can replace your study. You, 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 there's nothing can replace rolling up your sleeves, getting in your Bible, getting you a piece of paper, a notebook, and a concordance, and, a diction, and sitting down and saying, I'm going to take 30 minutes right here, and these seven verses, I'm going to figure out what it's saying. And when you get into that, when you do it, 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 it have you ever noticed the people that are the hardest workers, they actually enjoy doing it? They like it. I mean, they work till they die because they, they like doing it. They want to do it. And so the Bible, because um, I read a story after World War II, you know, communism began to come in, the Soviet Union, and, and they said that uh, Winston Churchill, was, was, he, he was a believer, um, at least he professed to be, and, and he was really worried about the, the, the situation in the world, what was happening. And he called, or he, he sent for a man that was a, a former missionary, his name was St. John, uh, I can't remember his first name, but he was something St. John. And, and, and Churchill, this man was known all around England for being a, a, a scholar in prophecy. He, he, just was a, he just understood it. He was able to... And, and Churchill was wanting him to sit down with him and explain to him what was going on. He, he, he wanted him to show him in the Bible things that, were, that would explain everything going on in the world. So this man come, and they were only supposed to meet for two hours. And the man showed up at like 8, 8.30, they had breakfast, and they began to talk. And at 9 o'clock almost that evening, Mr. Churchill said, I, I, he, you know, he said, I know you got to go. He asked him, he said, will you stay? And the man said, I can't stay, I have to go. He had to go preach. And, and they got up to leave, and, and Mr. Churchill told this missionary, a former missionary, he said, I'd give half the world to know the Bible like you do. And the missionary looked at him, and he said, I gave all the world to know the Bible like I do. You see, what I mean is, we can't, uh, as I said earlier, we can't reap a harvest where we don't place an emphasis. It requires perspiration. You know, the man that grows the tomatoes, he enjoys eating them more than the one that buys them. There's satisfaction in it. And when you get in the Bible and work for it, and labor at it, and then, the, then God gives you something, it makes it, it's, whole, it's a lot more satisfying than just eating off somebody else's table. You know, I, y'all know, I, I, like to, I like to coon hunt. I do. And, and there's a lot of guys, they just buy dogs. They don't, they don't want to train one, because guess what? It's a lot of headaches training a dog to do something. Much less train, going out here in the night, 500, 600, and finding it anyway. And, and, but Brother David, it's so much more rewarding when you watch that little joker, you know, uh, didn't know the difference between its head and its tail, and it grows up, and it goes to doing what it's supposed to do. It, it brings, it's rewarding because you put the work in, the, the sweat, the perspiration. And so when you work for your when you work at it and you put the effort in, it, 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 when God, when you see that truth and when it, when not, and when you don't just see it when, it, when it, when it speaks to your heart, then at that time, it's worth all the sweat that you had to put in to study, studying the Bible. Now, finally, I'm done. It went a little longer than I thought. It's not hard for me to do. But anyway, it says this. Rightly divine the word truth. I don't know what exactly you're expecting tonight, but I feel like this is what I need to do. Um, I promise you, you'll learn a lot more from the class if you'll start studying your Bible now. And then you learn some of these different techniques that will help you. But this is really fundamental. 
Um, we said four keys. You've got to have passion. There must be purpose. There must be perspiration. And the last thing, there has to be prudence. He said, rightly dividing the word of truth. So that word divide means to cut in a straight line. Now, the covenant, I call them, they call themselves covenant theologians. They're really called Calvinists. But David, they say there are no dividing lines in the Bible. They teach replacement theology, which means they believe the church has taken the place of Israel. Um, they, it, anyway, I disagree with all that. But everyone I've ever met says there's an Old New Testament. So they believe in at least one line to draw. And now, this is my opinion. I believe there's eight dispensations. We're going to get into this, and I don't... That's something, man, you know, we probably have to have a whole class on that. But, but I believe in dispensations. It's a fancy word. It simply means that in different times, you got from the fall to the flood to the tire back. Anyway, it means in different times, God communicated to men and women through different means. But there was one thing He always required, faith and obedience. And, 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 I, and again, we can get into all that later. But when Paul says rightly dividing the word truth, that means that we should make differences where God makes a difference. And where God doesn't make a difference, we shouldn't make a difference. Now, this, this may think this is the... But, 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 but follow me. Why do we need prudence? Because we cannot approach the Bible in a reckless manner thinking that we can make it say what we want it to say. I've had men call me and say, I've got a sermon, but I need a text. The truth of the matter is, they don't have a sermon. And if I, and listen, you preachers, you know, if you don't learn nothing, when you don't go to the Bible with a message. You go to the Bible for a message. You, find, you don't go, well, i got something I want to say, but I need some Bible to support it. That's a bad idea. Bad idea. Why is that a bad idea? Because you know what? And I've seen this in different extremes. You know, the, I've done mention the Calvinites, but I mean other extremes. You know, the legalist crowd, the, the easy believers crowd, the post-trib crowd, the, all these different sects and cults, schisms, whatever you want to call them. Brother David, they get so hung up that every verse they read is about that. They read, in the beginning God created the heavens and earth. And they say, well, bless God, uh, that means you ought not go to the movies. And they'll twist it around, making it about the movies. Well, God created the heavens and earth. He didn't create the theater. If He wanted you to go to the movies, He would have created the movies. So, bless God, you don't need to go to the movies. That's why I mean it. You think I'm kidding. Most people, and Sunday school teachers, same way. Don't, you, when you don't, the Bible is not a, a diving board that we just jump off into what we want to say. Um, and, and I'm saying that because... When you go to the, and now this, I'm going to try to make an application. When you're studying the Bible for yourself, I'm talking about for, for um, fellowship, for feeding your soul. Just because, you know, you, when you go to the Bible, don't try to make it say what you want it to say. Maybe you're going through a hard time. You're discouraged. Don't try to say, all right, this verse is talking about discouragement, because it may not be. You see, God knows us better than we know ourselves. And, and there's a danger because, listen, when if I take okay, let's just say we got something going on in church. I'm trying to straighten out. Maybe there's a, maybe there's uh, uh, you know, and it's not. I'm just using this as an illustration. Maybe there's a couple people mad at each other. They're not talking. They're going back for yeah, yeah, you know. And I'm happy, and I said I'm gonna fix it. And so I go in the Bible and I take a scripture. I take a text that's about something else, and I get up and I preach it as it's saying dealing with that. You see what I'm saying? Then I'm no different. 
than somebody at the Catholic Church teaching baptismal regeneration or the Pope being a, a you know, I'm no different. I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling this. I'm doing the very same thing that they are. So it requires prudence. Um, that word divide, it, it was a mason's term. When they, when, they, when they cut brick or cut block, they cut, cut them in a way where they'd all fit together. And, and you see, the Bible, even though it is divided, even though there are different, port, different covenants and different dispensations, it all fits together. And the truth is, the reason we need prudence is because if Paul told Timothy to rightly divide the word of truth, that tells me there's a possibility you could wrongly divide the word of truth. And almost all of your false doctrine and teaching about different, different subjects, whether it be salvation or, or the last days or the rapture, Brother David, comes from taking truth that was meant for Israel and applying it to the church or taking truth that was meant for the church and applying it to Israel. And it all comes from not rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, there's some that strongly disagree with this, but if they were teaching here tonight, that'd be up them and I wouldn't be the pastor. So, but I believe it with all my heart. I'm, 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 I am a dispensation. I believe there are dispensations in the Bible. What we're in right now is the, great, the age of grace, the Bible calls it. The, the dispense, we're in the church age. And, and that day, what, oh man, see, I told y'all I was going to get me, I'm not going to teach on it right now, but we will talk about it eventually. Um, I may let Miss Bertine teach that class, but anyhow, we, we, I couldn't let the lesson go by without picking on you, Miss Bertine. We listen. How do I keep from wrongly handling the scripture? I must handle it honestly, carefully, fully, and straightforwardly. I cannot approach the Bible with a hidden agenda. They call it a, 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 a presupposition. That means you go to the Bible and you already decided what it's going to say before you even read it. And if we're not careful, we'll do that with some of these familiar texts that we've been hearing our whole lives. We say, well, I already know what that means. And we go to it. And if we're not careful, we'll make it say something that's never meant to be said. Um, here's how we should interpret the Bible. Number one, literally. Literally. There's times where the Bible speaks in allegory, in symbolism. But when it does, it, it's clear that that's what it is. Um, and, and I'm not going to get into all that. But don't try to read into the, to what you're reading something that's not there. You know, I've, I've heard preachers preach some of these messages, and I'm just like, they either were high on drugs, had hit their head, they had to be something, ate some mushrooms that weren't the right kind of mushrooms, or done something, you know. Maybe they, maybe they left the garage door down too long and the carbon monoxide done something, but they had to be loopy to think that's what God meant. God, what I mean to say by literally is we read it, and what it says is what it says. You understand? Um, but anyway, so we must interpret it literally, where it's clearly meant to be literal. That means in order, listen, in order to interpret the Bible literally, we must understand the meaning of words. Now, I've had preachers actually say, you don't need to use a strong concordance. You don't need to use, listen, you'll not understand the Bible if you don't understand the words. Um, we, must, we, must understand, we must interpret it literally. That means that we understand the meaning of words. In the Bible, there are some words like conversation. 
can mean two different things. It can mean having a car, or it can mean your lifestyle. Um, the word word has got different meanings. There's times where it's speaking about the words that come out, but then there's also times where it speaks, when it uses that word logos, it means the thought behind the word. When the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, talking about Jesus Christ, he's talking about he was the thought behind the word. He, was the, he is the meaning of the word. He, the, he is the source of the word. So what I'm saying is we must understand many words. And this is not, it, it, as I said, we have so many tools right there you can use. It takes, now again, perspiration, you know. You just can't just flip a switch, flip it off, and get it out. It takes work. But we've got to understand the meaning of words. And we must, uh, we must interpret the Bible literally. We must interpret the Bible historically. Now listen, what that means is that we interpret what we read in light of the culture, the customs, and the geography where it was written. We can't look at everything as the Apostle Paul was driving a C-71, you understand, going to work at the factory. You see, he wasn't. He was living in an Arabic world. He was living in a, in a, in a very primitive world. So when, if, what I mean to say is, when you interpret the Bible, you need to say, what was, what was the writer trying to say here? You know, he, you know, he was not talking about, you know, I've, I've heard him talk about like, you know, like the NASA and stuff and try to take scripture and say that it's end time prophecy about him going to the moon. And all, I mean, just crazy stuff. But there's no way, that, that's not what they meant. The original intent is what I'm speaking about historically. There's good books about culture. You can get a book called Manners and Customs of the Bible. It's a really good book. It tells about the customs and the traditions. Like when you read about the parable, the ten virgins, the five foolish, there's, there was all kind of, um, uh, uh, all, there's, it's very, it's, there's, all, there's a whole lot of rich things you can learn there by simply understanding the history. We must interpret the Bible literally. We must in, in, interpret it historically. And we must interpret it grammatically. What that means is, we give attention to punctuation sentence. That means when God puts a period, don't put a comma. And here's one thing independent Baptists really struggle with, putting exclamation points where there's just a period. You know, wanting to stand on the rooftop, stomp and snort and spit about something that God never, you know, straining at night, swallowing camels. We're real good at that. I got a sermon there at Elma Lawnmower, and I'm going to preach it on Camelite Christianity. Not Campbellite, but Camelite, where Jesus said, you strain it and that's what some people, that's all they want to do is eat camels all the time. But anyway that's, anyway, that's another message for another day. So, these are all things, you see, I think God wrote the Bible with, with intent. And the way he, and, 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 and when, a, when a chapter or a, or a, a phrase ends, when a, when, then it moves on, then, then you need to move on. You understand? So anyway, this probably you probably think this is, this is absolutely foolish, but I promise you, it'll help you if you'll try. You don't have to be a grammar. I'm the worst grammar. I got a C in grammar in Bible college, and I got an A in Greek. Go figure that. But, but I did learn enough. You know, it's important. What's the subject of the sentence? You understand? That's, that's important. What, God put the subject there for me. That's the, that's the main thought. I, anyway, but anyway, I'm being recorded. I'm embarrassed. We must pay attention to figures of speech. Types and symbols, the time of the events and the structure of each book. We must never, um, I've done said this, but we, we must never approach the Bible with an idea looking for Scripture to support it. This will lead us to mishandling the Scripture to prove a point. Our ideas 
must be God's ideas. And the points we prove must be His point and not our own. So, again, four things if you want to know, understand about is there must be passion. You must be earnest about it. And, and simply saying, I want to know the Bible is never going to help you know the Bible. You got, there's got to be passion. Study. He said that, by, that may be approved unto God. There must be purpose. There must be purpose. Then there must be workmen that need to not be ashamed. You have to make up your mind that whatever, however much work it takes for me to understand, I'm going to put it in. I'm going to put it in. Whatever the work requires. And it requires prudence. When we pray, when we read, we should pray. And, and, and you know, when I read the Bible, when we read the Bible, that's God talking to us. When we pray, it's Him talk, us talking to Him. But I believe it's in Psalms 119. David said, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wonderful things from thy law. We should pray, and we should ask God to do this. Lord, tell me what you want me to hear. Not what I want to hear. Lord, I, I want to understand when I read this first chapter here of 2 Timothy, I want you to show me what it was you were trying to tell Timothy when you wrote that. I want to see that. I want to understand that. And if you'll be diligent about it, the Lord will help you to understand. And that's the only way to become an effective student of the Bible. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening. I thank you, Lord, for this time. I hope, Lord, that what I've said has helped and made sense. Lord, I just pray you'd help me become a better student of the Bible. Lord, I pray you'd help us all. Uh, Lord, become more familiar with the sword of the truth, Lord, the Word of God. Help us, Lord, to be able to be more effective in our witness, Lord, and help us to be more passionate about our study. I pray, God, that whatever that be in our lives that's hindering us from studying, that we put it to the side so we can become more effective in studying the Word of God and becoming better acquainted with Thee. We love You, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.